Hello, superhumans. Today, we journey into the heart of transformation, resilience, and the powerful synergy of fitness and veganism. Our guest is Maxime Siguin, the inspiring force behind the fit vegan movement. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. Imagine this. $34.37 in the bank, amounting debt of over 60 grand, credit cards exhausted, funding cancer treatments, the looming loss of an apartment, and the responsibility of feeding your loved one battling cancer with the purest of foods. Many would crumble under such pressure, but not Maxime. From this crucible of adversity, he emerged to not only transcend his circumstances, but also to inspire and transform the lives of countless others. Today, he stands before us, having built a seven-figure business and a life full of passion. His personal journey is a testament to the idea that when determination meets purpose, miracles happen. This episode delves deep into the heart of Maxime's philosophy, uncovering the secrets behind achieving a fit vegan lifestyle, debunking myths, and understanding how our dietary choices influence our overall health, fitness, and mental well-being. Please join this conversation about transcending from the brink of despair to the pinnacle of success, all while championing a mission driven by personal loss, love, and an unwavering commitment to a healthier world. So, whether you're a dedicated vegan, a fitness enthusiast, or someone simply seeking inspiration on how to surmount life's challenges, this episode is for you. It's about the power of creating a transformative journey. summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Maxime, welcome to the Superhumanized Podcast. I am so glad to connect with a fellow vegan, someone who believes in the plant-based lifestyle. And I always love to share the wisdom of people who've been really successful in their field. And in your case, you are well known for fitness and combining fitness and veganism. Could you give our audience a little bit of background on yourself? How did you start on your journey? And what inspired you to go vegan? Yeah, of course. Thank you very much for having me, Ariane. I really appreciate it. So a little background story. I grew up respectfully a redneck. <laughs> I grew up on a farm. We had chickens, cows, geeses, horses. So I don't come from the vegan world. We, my dad used to make fun of vegan eating like a block of plastic, which was basically now I know his tofu he was referring to. And, and kill their own. My dad killed our own like chicken and eggs that every year to, to feed us. So it was definitely not from that world. Fell into bodybuilding earlier on and ended up bulking up and going up to 240 pounds, which I'm 6'4". So it was a pretty significant size at that point. And it was always into fitness, played basketball, soccer, did all the sports. Bodybuilding was a big one. 
And then one day I did a bodybuilding show. So I ended up like shredding down and going down to 4% body fat and doing the whole bodybuilding thing. And then after that, developed like an eating disorder and then got super fat and went back up to 240 pounds because of the restrictive aspect of kind of dieting. And one day I was training 240 pounds. I was training with one of my friends. He brought me to one of his other friend's apartment and they, she had a runway, like a high fashion modeling runway in her apartment. I was like, what kind of friend do you have here? And it was his modeling agent. And she looked at me and she's like, I see something on those big chubby cheeks. I was like, you try losing some weight and see if we can get you to get some jobs. I was like, you know what? I tried bodybuilding. I tried basketball. I tried all of it at this point. Let me just try this thing. So I went on Google and I asked Google, what's the fastest way to get skinny? Because I was really big, right? I was probably wearing like an extra large in, in clothing and I had to wear like a medium, like a small medium shirt. And so Google was like, vegans, vegans are skinny and weak. I was like, I don't care if I'm weak. I just need to be skinny. And a disclaimer, you can be strong as a vegan, but I didn't know that back then. That was over nine years ago. But ultimately the next day I substituted my breakfast from a dozen eggs for breakfast with a bowl of oatmeal and blueberries and eating three chicken breasts every two hours for five meals a day. The next day after discovering that I went vegan, I had a breakfast of like frozen blueberries, dates and banana. And I was over nine years ago, ultimately. So that was me switching to veganism, which was just to get skinny so that I can fit in the darn clothes to be able to work in that industry. And mm -hmm. as I progressed into veganism, my whole purpose was trying to lose muscle, was trying to get skinny so I can fit in the clothes. And which ended up working great. I ended up working in New York. I actually went to Milan. I went to Germany to model over there. I traveled around a little bit. And throughout that journey, I just discovered, did more research about what it's like to properly fuel yourself. Because when I went vegan, I did it the wrong way. I didn't know what to eat because I came from the world of meat. So I was just eating fruits and vegetables. And I ended up losing 80 pounds in my first year because the purpose was to lose muscle. So I stopped strength training. I just did cardio. I did the opposite of what was needed to have a great body. And then I watched Forks Over Knife. Watching Forks Over Knife made that connection. I was like, oh, there's, a, there's an animal component to it. There's an environmental component to it. There's also a health component to it because I started to feel better as I transitioned. And around that time when I watched the documentary, my grandfather got diagnosed with cancer. And then it made me reflect of what type of life he's lived, what type of food he was eating. Like I grew up with my grandpa teaching me to have a toast with melted butter and Nutella on it. That was breakfast, right? That's what I grew up with. And so after you know, him getting diagnosed with cancer and, and passing away within like a few months of him getting diagnosed, I was like, man, like there's a connection there between how you're eating and how you're living and the state of your body. So I became this really hardcore activist, which I think we all have at one point when we first go vegan, like we're saviors, we're trying to save the world and the people around us that we love. And so just got into that phase, continued to eat vegan. And as life progressed on, I did other things, again, bodybuilding, powerlifting, all these fun sports. And then fast forward a few years, which is maybe seven years ago, I meet my ex-partner. She gets diagnosed with breast cancer within three months of us dating. And again, just that cancer component with the health component and loved her. So I stayed by her side. She made her transition from eating like meat slash pescatarian to being vegan and whole food plant-based, which is what I was eating. Her inflammatory markers went down. The size of her tumor went down. The doctors gave her one year to live ultimately. And she ended up living an extra five years, right? Before she passed away. So she made it an extra four years on top of what the doctor gave her with really good quality of life compared to what cancer patients typically go through. And so to me, that was like the 
eye-opening experience. It was eye-opening to have to go through that through five years and being her sole caregiver for five years. But it just put me on this mission of not wanting to, for people to have to go through that when it can easily be prevented, right? If you're eating a whole food plant-based lifestyle, the research is there that it helps to reverse some of these chronic diseases, helps the prevention of some of these chronic diseases. If you live an active lifestyle, you're greatly reducing your risk of these chronic diseases. So that's how I've embarked on this journey. And just from a fitness side, while I was being a caregiver, I needed an outing to deal with all the stress of having to go through that. So I fell into Ironman and triathlons and not coming from an entrance background, right? Being 240 pounds and then running really long races for six, seven hours. It was really an eye-opening experience and also showed to people and to myself, man, you can literally do whatever you want on a plant-based lifestyle, right? You can have endurance, you can be strong, you can look great. And so to me, I just sealed the whole deal. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. This is what I want people to experience. And so that's my story in a nutshell for my, my, my plant-based journey. Thank you for sharing, Maxim. And yeah, my heart goes out to you. Those were really tough experiences on every level. I'm, it's so wonderful to know that your ex-partner had you at your side. That speaks volumes about the person that you are. And it also speaks volumes about the person you are to take these experiences and turn them into something that is life-giving and wellness promoting. Mm -hmm. So basically turning them into a service, not only to yourself and how you appear in this world, but also what you share with others that is so empowering. And you've touched upon a few crucial things that I just would like to reiterate because they are so important. And the one thing is the that the a lot of the illnesses we deal with are actually not in our genes. We may be genetically predisposed to some things, but the fewest of diseases are because, hey, we've been dealt bad genetic cards. Most of the diseases we can actually influence, whether they develop or not. Another honored guest on this podcast, Dr. Basim Youssef, he's a former heart surgeon, fellow vegan, he said very much to the point, it's not the shared genes, it's the shared dishes. It's the shared mm -hmm. lifestyle. And something else that I find really fascinating is also the strength aspect. Because in order to be strong, you don't need to weigh 240 pounds and have bulky muscles. If you look at some of the most highly functioning human beings, let's go into the special forces realm. People really yeah. on top of their game physically and also mentally, those are not the biggest guys and girls. They're often, yeah, they have muscles and they are ripped, but they're not bulky because, yeah. you know, the, and they are stronger than somebody who might have five-sized muscles. Yes. Talking about this, you are the fit vegan. What does that mean to you? What is a fit vegan? What does that personally mean to you? Yeah, it's a great question. That definition has changed throughout the years. At first, I thought it was specifically about looking a certain way, right? The type of image that you see on the cover of a magazine, yeah. muscles, you're lean and all that. And then as progress in coaching more and more people, I started coaching people that were in like in their 20s and their 30s that wanted to have that look. And then slowly it just transitioned to people that were in like in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s and 70s, people that are more health conscious, because I know you get it when you're in your 20s and your 30s, you're like, I'm invincible. Like nothing can touch me. I'm young, I'm fit, I have all the energy in the world. But coaching people that were early on in their years was just really powerful to see 
like the things that they were dealing with because they didn't take care of themselves. And just seeing how much strength training could have an impact on their body, on their bones, on their energy, on their hormones, and how much of an increase in quality of life they've had. I was like, that's what being a fit vegan is when you have a body that is not a limitation to how you want to live your life. If there's things that you want to do, you want to go for a hike, a bike, a run, a swim, you want to play with your kids, with your grandkids, you want to go on a cycling trip with some friends, like your body's able to do these things. You want to squat down to tie your shoes, then not have any issues with it, right? You don't have your stomach in the way. Like being able to move in your body to actually be an asset versus a liability, that would be like the physical side. And ultimately having a health that is conducive to you just feeling good on a day-to-day basis. We don't feel groggy when you wake up in the morning. You don't have to rely on five cups of coffee just to get you through the day where you're able to make those right decisions when it comes to food that make you feel good. Where you have sex drive. I can't tell you how many people, because they don't take care of the body, just lost their sex drive, right? It's an important aspect. So it's just having a well-functioning body. And that, again, is an asset to how you want to live your life and is not a limitation to doing the things that you want to do. Because so many of us, I believe, we all have a special mission inside of us of what we want to accomplish. And it's really hard to get there with a vehicle that has a flat tire, a bunch of rust, and a motor that doesn't work. So we want to make sure that we keep this vehicle really functional so that we can ultimately fulfill on the mission that we feel that we've been put on this earth for. Whether that is wanting to transform people, whether that is wanting to save the animals, whether that is wanting to be an amazing parent and just being able to be there for your kids because you didn't have that when you grew up. Whatever that may be, you need to have a healthy body, a healthy mind to be able to accomplish that. So to me, that's what a, a fit vegan is. It's not cover of a magazine doing Ironmans, which by definition, that's fit. But I think there's a lot of unhealthy behavior behind that and especially mentally. So that's why I don't necessarily associate it to that. That's a great definition, Maxime. Thank you for that. And also, and I feel especially when we're actually dealing with certain things, with illnesses or things that just life throws at us, whether it's from birth or whether we have, let's say, an accident. My my thoughts go to another guest, Paul de Gelder, so vegan. Oh, Paul. I love yeah. Paul. We had dinner with him like a few weeks ago. Oh, great. Yeah, he's yeah. just such an amazing human being and also such a great advocate for the planet, specifically for the health of the oceans and vegan. And you can find for whomever is interested in that, you can find the episode. He's actually my number one guest, the first episode. And this awesome. is, someone, yeah, this is someone who was actually at the peak physically. He was actually Australian Special Forces and he was a Navy diver. And during a routine exercise, he got attacked in Sydney Harbor by a bull shark lost his right leg and the process also part of his right hand. And so this is somebody who did not give up. He reinvented himself and his story is absolutely inspiring. Also another vegan and he also credits the vegan nutrition, the vegan lifestyle with being able to perform as amazingly as he does today. So that just as a side note. I love Paul. He's great. He just, he told me something one day. I asked him like why he went vegan. And he told me because I know what it's like to be eaten and I didn't like it. (laughs) So that was the best line. (laughs) As to why I go vegan. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of us can say that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. So a lot of people who transition to a vegan lifestyle have an an initial spark. It can be a certain goal like they had, like you had when you transitioned. And then of course that morphs because it's uh, yeah. 
soon as you start connecting the dots, things you care about, whether it's animal welfare, the planet, social justice, all kinds of different things. You see how they're interconnected by the choices you make in your daily life, especially by the things you put on your plate. And when you have a strong motivator, when your why is really strong, that'll help you overcome any challenges you may face much easier. I'm curious to learn from you, were there any challenges? And if so, what challenges did you face when you transitioned to a vegan lifestyle? And then how did you overcome them? Yeah, for sure. So for me, it was just not knowing what to eat, right? Growing up on like the steak, potato, a little bit of broccoli type of diet, like the Western diet. When I transitioned, I was like, what's considered vegan food? I know what's not vegan now. I know it's not steak, it's not chicken, it's not eggs, and it's not fish. But there was never a connection that like grains, all the vegetables, all the fruits, all the nuts and seeds and tofu and tempeh and edamame, lentils and beans, all the thing. There was no association in my brain that those were vegan foods. I just knew what I couldn't eat. Mm. And so my 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 food options were pretty limited when I first transitioned. So at first, yes, the issue was how do I get enough energy in to sustain how I want to feel? So that was a challenge. There's just so many calories and foods and vegetables that you can consume ultimately to get enough calories for the day. So discovering new recipes and new ways to like modifications for recipes. I didn't know you could replace an egg with brushed and soaked flaxseed or soaked chia seeds or a mashed banana or applesauce. Like those weren't things that I knew. So ultimately watching Forks Over Knife and kind of discovering them and discovering some of the recipes, I was like, oh, like that's vegan food and I can put these things together to get my protein. I was like, oh, this is great. So then it opened up my spectrum of what I could consume. But the struggle at first was knowing what to eat because there was a lack of education there, right? Which is, it's pretty standard. If you're trying to do any other type of diet that's new to you, you probably don't know how to do it. So you have to learn it anyways. It's the same thing for veganism. But there were such amazing benefits to it. That's why I continued pushing for it. One of the things is, I didn't know this, but I had a lot, my nose was clogged up and had a lot of tension in my forehead, but I'd lived like that my whole life. And I did know that I had tension in my forehead and my nose was clogged up. So when I cut out kind of the dairy after about two weeks, I noticed myself taking like really big breaths. And I was like, oh, it feels different. And then the tension in my forehead went away. And I was like, I didn't even know I had tension in my forehead. I didn't even know that was a thing until it went away. And I discovered a new level of what feeling good is. Mm. And a big part is I struggled in school with attention and focus. And then once kind of that tension went away, I was like, oh my God, I'm so smart. Like I can think so fast and I can solve problems I couldn't solve before. So I just realized in cutting the dairy just was making me dumb a little bit. So cutting it out actually improved my intellectual capacity. So there was, I felt so good. I was like, I need to discover how to do this thing properly. So accessing new recipes was a big help. Yes. And we have so many great resources nowadays, whether it's apps or free online videos and articles or books, there's so much there, whatever our interest is, certain types of cuisines or certain dietary aspects that we want to manage. And what you just said is another thing that's really important to highlight, and that is we don't know until we know. For you, your baseline was, your normal was this tension. Your normal was the clogged up nose. So you thought that's normal. I had very similar experiences. And I actually had a bunch of stuff that I was dealing with all throughout my teenage years and early 20s. And I have no hangups discussing them because I think a lot of people will recognize themselves. And especially as a woman, woman, for example, constant UTIs. Or I was dealing with acne, cystic acne. I was dealing with mood swings. I was dealing with 
gosh, all kinds of psoriasis, plenty of getting colds or flus three, four times a year, normal, right? So when it switched my diet, I noticed, wow, this is gone, this is gone, I don't have this anymore. So that's not normal. It was all caused by the things I ate, the things that landed on my dish. And dairy specifically had a huge impact on my not well-being. Skin was a big thing, where yeah. until my mid-late 20s, I thought having acne is just normal. That's No, it's not normal. It's a yeah. sign, as were all the other things, issues. It's a sign that my body is dealing with inflammation all the time. And those were just yeah. the symptoms. So you brought up yeah. something with, you find out what you need to take in uh, in order to get everything you need out of your particular vegan diet. So a lot of times what comes up when people are contemplating this and when they ask questions is, of course, deficiencies. And as you and I know, a lot of people who eat the SAD, standard American diet, actually may be, for example, overweight, but they're undernourished. They're actually dealing with a lot of deficiencies. And also, same thing can apply to a vegan. When you actually don't know what you're eating, you're not eating a balanced diet, you will have deficiencies. So something that comes up, one of the very first things is vitamin B12. I supplement. I have no issues. I take my blood work two, three times a year. Everything is really in great shape, much better shape than it was 20 years ago. And for those who say, oh, then you need to take supplements to be a healthy vegan. Guess what? When you're eating meat, the animal that you're eating, they've been supplemented with vitamin B12 and a whole lot yeah. of other stuff. Because it's a secondhand they are- source, basically, yeah. that you're getting from the animals. Exactly. But however, when you talk to some of your clients that are newer, or when people just ask you, how do you address, I'm curious to hear how you deal with it. How do you address these concerns? And how do you ensure you yourself get all the necessary nutrients with your particular diet? And what do you advise to people who are newly interested in the vegan lifestyle? Yeah, great question. Well, I don't want to make it sound too simple, but in the reality it is, as humans, we tend to complexify things that we don't need to justify while we can't do it, right? I like to do vegan, but it's a bit too complex to figure out how to connect my food, so I'm not going to do it because ultimately they want to stick to their old ways. Ultimately, if you focus on consuming enough energy throughout the day, right? We use the word calorie because that's a bit what people refer it to. If you're someone that needs 2,000 calories a day to maintain where you're at and you're eating 1,000, guess what? You're going to feel pretty terrible. You're going to feel weak. You're going to feel tired. There's just, there's less energy coming in. You're not putting enough gas into your gas tank for the vehicle to function, right? But then the quality of the fuel that you put in it makes a difference. So it's not about just eating all your energy in terms of energy, like chips, cookies, ice cream, Beyond Burgers all the time and kind of all of these things. It's about the quality of the food that you put into your body. Because the quality of the food that you're going to be putting, some of the food will come with fiber, will come with vitamins and nutrients and amino acids and building blocks and all these essential things. And some of the food will come completely stripped from all of these things, but will have energy and calorie in them. So the quality of the fuel makes a difference. So I always preach about like a 90-10 ratio because I don't expect everyone to eat 100% whole food plant-based all the time. I've interviewed some of the biggest doctors in this space. And they're like, sometimes I'm at an airport and I just have to grab what's available, which is not always whole food plant-based. It can be vegan, but it's not whole food plant-based. 
just the reality with kind of like how busy life is and the travels and all the things that we're into. So say 10% can be foods that you enjoy. 90% should be like whole food, plant-based food that is rich in water and vitamins and minerals and in fiber, but you can still have some food to enjoy yourself. It's like the saying, one salad won't make you healthy. Just one cookie won't make you unhealthy. You want to have a nice balance between the two of them. So focusing on the quality of food makes it different, but focusing on the diversity as well. Kind of the talk, the conversation about the gut microbiome has exploded over the past few years. More people are more aware of it. And if you look at, I had the opportunity to talk with Dr. B um, from Plant Fuel, the the book, when when I spoke with them, like diversity is one of the biggest components of having a healthy gut microbiome. So if you're literally eating the same food over and over again, which again, talking about bodybuilders, like that's, they're literally eating the same thing over and over again. I ate the same thing for three years straight. I had a really unhealthy gut. Like my digestion was terrible. Like it wasn't great, but diversity is something that plays a big role because you want to have that diversity of microbes into your body to build that healthy environment, right? So quality food, 90% healthy plant-based, 10% of foods that you enjoy, focusing on diversity. So don't just eat kale, right? There's chard, there's spinach, there's dinosaur kale, there's broccoli, there's all these different vegetables, there's different type of grains, there's different type of proteins you can consume. So focusing on diversity of plants, focusing on quality, just that it's going to solve a lot of your deficiencies. The B12 conversation. So that's the number one argument for meat eaters as to like, why we need to supplement. Listen, there's a ton of meat eaters that are B12 deficient. It's not because you're actually consuming B12 that your body's actually able to absorb it, right? A lot of people have a hard time absorbing B12. Some of the time it's genetic and a lot of the time it's just because the source is terrible. So if you're getting B12 from an animal product, you're getting a secondhand version of the B12 because the animal got it from plant sources ultimately. And now you're going to be consuming it. And I was having a conversation with you know Jeff Palmer is, heard of Jeff Palmer before? The name rings the bell, but please illuminate it for me again. He founded, I think it's a vegan world bodying, bodybuilding championship. Oh. He's 60. His biceps are like the size of my head. He's been vegan for almost four decades now. Maybe vegan for a long time. Yeah. So he mentioned there's a plan called duckweed. So duckweed actually has a form of absorbable B12 in it that's cleaner than like basically getting it from meat. So again, there's sources of B12 that you can get through plant-based eating without having to supplement necessarily. Obviously, the B, the duckweed is in a supplement form because it would taste pretty nasty <laughs> to, to eat. Sounds because, like- <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't taste that great. So it's in a pill form, but for the reason that it wouldn't taste that great. But ultimately, supplementing with B12 is just a safe way, even if you're consuming meat. Mm-hmm. Because again, there's a lot of people that consume meat that are B12 deficient. Mm-hmm. And so again, getting, getting some blood work done. Is it just a good idea to have an idea of where you're at? I did a blood test before I went vegan almost nine years ago. And I just did my most recent one, like two weeks ago. All my levels are fine. Nine years vegan, like everything is just top notch, right? Without any crazy emphasis on supplementation, like eating whole food plant-based, being overly active to some people's standard and everything is still good. And there's so many vegans like that as well. I think we tend to worry about these things a little bit too much because we heard it once and then we expand it to be this big problem. But what I learned from the cancer world, for those of you that are like curious about or scared about those vitamins deficiencies, what I learned from the cancer world, my ex-partner was, we hear that this treatment is great. This treatment is great. So I would spend thousands and tens of thousands of dollars on treatments. And then she would end up getting worse. And then we would do a test and they're like, oh, all the money in the test that you just did was actually negative for her specifically because the specific genome that she has in her body. 
I'm like, I just spent 10 grand in the opposite direction and it was hurting her. So one thing I learned from it is test, right? Testing as much as we can see it as a cost, it's an investment because then you'll know exactly what it is that you need versus buying all these supplements and being like, oh, I heard most people are deficient in magnesium. Most people are deficient in all these things, start taking all these supplements, but maybe you're fine. Maybe you don't need to buy these things. Maybe there's another area you're deficient in and you won't know until you test. It is so important. And like you just said, it's very well worth the investment because in the short term and especially in the long term, even from a financial standpoint, you're going to end up saving money because getting sick can cost so much money. I think it's actually one of the number one reasons why people in the United States go bankrupt, unfortunately, very sadly, having to yeah. deal with huge medical costs, which is a whole other issue. And that's just enraging. However, yeah. to back to what we're talking about, the testing, cer certain things like I found out I have 40% of people have the MTHFR genetic variation, which means I do not metabolize folate well at all. So neither in the form of folate nor folic acid will my body be able to actually do what it needs to do with it. I actually need to take methylfolate, a very specific form of folate that then will go and be used how it needs to be used in my body. And there's a ton of not so pleasant side effects, and especially for women with regards to female reproductive health, that if you're deficient, it can really cause unpleasant and also long-term chronic issues even. So getting tested is absolutely a number one thing. And there's great companies nowadays that offer at-home testing even for such things. And I think quite yeah. a lot of these tests will also be covered by insurance if your doctor prescribes them. And yeah, I highly recommend it. Whether yeah, you so dealing, much cheaper. Yes. And whether you're dealing with something like your ex-partner dealt with or whether you just want to be preventative. That's where, what's that saying again? An ounce of prevention is worth, <laughs> I forgot, but... Uh, yeah, it's such a um, having so talk about cancer and how health is expensive. Like I, I was the bank to the cancer treatments ultimately. So I, I got in such huge debt that I'm happy that I paid off, but I got into such a huge debt trying to pay all these treatments and to know that tens of thousands of dollars went in the opposite direction and actually made things worse when we thought that it would help. Is disheartening, and the, the test to for what we needed was about like eight hundred dollars versus tens of thousands of dollars of treatments in the wrong direction. Like at first, I was like, ah, we don't need the test because this is supposed to be good for cancer patients. And then ultimately, that was a big that was a big lesson for us for sure. What is your ex partner's name? If I may ask, I'd like to put a name to her. For sure, it's Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you. Yeah. Yes. So, what was one of the what would you say, most life-changing discoveries that you made during that time with Jennifer, especially with regards to health and healthcare? Yeah. So that obviously eating whole food plant-based made a world of a difference. Her inflammatory markers shrunk when she transitioned. The size of the tumor shrunk when she transitioned. She chose to, again, personal choice to go the alternative road with the therapy. She didn't want to do the traditional treatments. Like getting into it, we knew nothing about. It was just like a gut feeling that she didn't want to do those traditional treatments. We didn't know that everything would be funded out of pocket. That was a bit of a stressor that I didn't know that it was about to take on. And this um, was but, in Canada, right? Yeah. So in Canada, traditional treatments are covered. 
Yeah. But she chose to do the alternative therapy because that's how she was her whole life. And so I was like, I respect that. It's your life. I can't argue against that at all. Testing was a big lesson. Ultimately, eating whole food plant-based was a big lesson. And just improving all the other things that were in our life to improve that environment for the for to have a quality body. So what I mean by that is the quality of the water that you drank, right? So you bought a Berkey water filter. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It removes like 99% of the crap in the water. Do we change the cleaning products that we're using? No more kind of aerosol things in the house. The perfume, the cologne, all that stuff went away. Changing the toothpaste, the thing that go in your mouth. There was, a, it's an operation in the tooth. I don't have the word in English right now. It's here in French. Yeah, I can remember in French. In dance, I guess, like wisdom tooth, whatever. When people get, there's a surgery where people get to remove some of these teeth in the back. So there was one thing where they did a surgery on her and we discovered, we watched a documentary on Netflix and it was so funny. We watched it and it was a, what's it called? It bugs me. It'll probably come back. But anyways, it creates the product that they use for it and just, it just like molds inside of your mouth. And then that molds create like a bad state in your mouth. And so when we went to do that, we didn't know, but we went and discovered that it was just all molded and it was like pus and mucus. And it was just out of watching a documentary. And it was like, let's just go check it out, right? Let's just go do a test, see? And then they removed that. And again, like her health went up after. I have to remember what, what the name Root is. It'll kind of is it a... out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the way that they traditionally do it is apparently wrong with some of the systems or the products that they're using for it. So we went to go like to a naturopathic, holistic dentist, whatever it may be. And yeah, they were like, yeah, it's all molded. There's mucus, like it's affecting your immune system. Uh, and so we removed that and made a huge difference again in her health. So it was this, this constant battle of trying to like bring her up versus it going downwards and just learning like all the things that can cause an environment in the body to create cancer. When you think of getting like surgery or some of these things, if you have an environment in your body that's conducive to cancer growing and you remove the tumor, then all the other cells that are there still have the same environment to grow, right? So you just, you didn't solve the problem. It's just a band-aid solution. And so you have to change the environment in the body. The body loves acidity. It loves mucus. It loves inflammation. It loves a lack of oxygen. The cancer. Right? Yeah. Cancer cells love that. So I'm like, let's get into hyperbaric chambers and just press pure oxygen into the body. Let's eat alkaline whole food so we can reduce inflammation, make the body alkaline. Let's cut out the dairy to remove the mucus from the body. So all those made a huge difference. And it taught us a lot about like the toxins that are coming into the body and how to recreate that environment ultimately. And I learned that tumor is a beautiful thing. I didn't know what a tumor was. We think it's like this lump on the body and it's a negative thing. The tumor is your body's way of protecting itself because so winter's all these bad cancer cells in your body. What your body does in order to try to isolate the problems is it grabs all of them and clumps them into one area to prevent it from damaging the whole body. That's what a tumor is. It's a clump of bad cells that your body created to protect your body from it spreading everywhere and affecting other cells. So a tumor is actually trying to, to save you versus just if there was no tumor, all those cancer cells would be going everywhere and creating some damage. So that was a very interesting thing to, to learn as well. That is. I've never even heard about that. Thank you for sharing that, Maxime. And also really important to point out that it's not enough to just cut out the cancer or remove it via other means, because if you do not rebalance the body so it can actually be its healthiest version, your, your body's just going to be left with the same environment. And yeah. So it comes back after five plus years for most people. 
And also what you said about the root canals, oral health is so intricately connected to our brain health, our gut health, our immune system does, and so forth. Everything is like a waterfall. And I have a very dear friend, and she had to get rid of some root canals that had been done many years ago, and exactly the same thing. She had high grade of inflammation, bacteria accumulation, and it was affecting her health so badly. She actually went through the process of finding doctors the care that she needed to get them also removed and replaced safely. Same goes for if you have fillings, any of these fillings with the old mercury or whatever, which constantly exposes you to these toxins as you chew, as you swallow, as you even breathe. Uh, if you choose to get those removed, you got to make sure to find somebody who's an expert at removing those and who will keep your body from reabsorbing it or as the removal process is going on. All of There's so many things that unless we dive into it and you have to do this deep dive, we're just not aware of. And uh, yeah, we when we can help our body get back into balance, it can help itself. Uh, Absolutely. Right? It's just about giving it what it needs to recreate that new healthy environment that it wants. And mm -hmm. it's such a harder process to do once you've lost your health, because then there's so much weight in the opposite direction. And then you have to fight back. It's so much harder than people think it is. Right. They think like oh, you get a flu, you're out for a day, you sleep it off. Like you can't sleep that shit off. Like she was sleeping like 15 hours a day, every day for years. Just her the body was just fighting to try to recover and was so tired from fighting, doing all the foods, all the treatments that we were doing. Like it's so much harder than people think it is. And having seen firsthand 24 seven, like waking up to the screams in the middle of the night, having to rush to the emergency room and all these things, like. Having you seen it firsthand, like it's just not worth it. Whatever people say, but bacon, but burgers, but living life, like you just would give all your money away, all the things that you think are cool that you value right now. You would live in the streets to have your health back. You would give a limb to have your health back. And people do actually, literally. So it's so important to for people to realize that it's it's just not worth it to go on the other side. Yes. So whatever we can do as we are whatever our baseline is right now to the very least maintain that or elevate that, help our bodies and our minds, our psyche, our emotions are also intricately connected to our uh, well-being, our physical well-being. I just heard a most amazing story a couple of days ago from a new friend who shared that he had been diagnosed with lymphoma last mm -hmm. November and was given a very dire diagnosis. And aside from certain lifestyle changes, he also very deeply dove into healing, emotional healing work, letting go of old resentments, a lot of things childhood related. And he, his doctor didn't believe it. Within a couple of months, he went into remission where the doctor basically thought it was a, a death sentence. Now, this is, of course, a very particular story of a very particular human being. Every body, every mind, every story is different. However, to know that these things are possible, to not give up, and as long as we can, to keep fighting, to keep living, I, I think that's at every second, especially spent with a loved one. Is Yeah, it's actually an interesting point. You're asking really good questions. I haven't like dove that deeper into it since you passed away, but the mental component, the emotional trauma healing, it was 
she discovered that later on that was a thing that she needed to do she had some of her personal experiences that she had to heal through and ultimately i think that would have made a difference if it was dealt with a little bit earlier on but that was such a big part of her healing at the end because we had tried pretty much everything on the treatment side on the food side on the recovery side and there was like just still all this trauma that was there so we started doing a lot of work on that side and i started making a difference as well i think it was just a little bit too late by the time we took that on but it's such a big component and then there's so many stories like that where people just take on the trauma emotional side of things and the body just completely changes and yeah that was a huge game changer which people don't think that it affects their health but it does drastically it really does there's a fantastic book that i'd like to recommend and it's the title is the body keeps the score i was just gonna say that yeah <laughs> it's a great book <laughs> Yes. And also, I just want to acknowledge the the courage, the vulnerability it takes for you to show up and share your story. I'm really grateful for that. I think sharing our stories is so important to not just to move forward, but also to heal on so many levels and to know that in a sense, we're all in this together. I, of course, cannot put myself in your shoes. I do not know what you've gone through and what you still may be going through, but for, and whenever we lose a loved one, it's always too early, but for whatever it's worth, and I do not know what you personally believe, I I believe that whatever we learn in this lifetime, we take with us to wherever we go after we transcend, and certain things we learn, certain things we grew from, we don't need to repeat. In that sense, I don't think that anything that we can grow or learn, I don't think that anything is too late in the bigger picture scheme. Of course, this lifetime, this vessel that we've been giving, that's another yeah. story. No, I, I agree with you. I do believe that we're for each lifetime, there's lessons that we need to learn before we move on to the next one. And people always say, I used to, I always said that too, like everything happens for a reason. Most people say that and they haven't had really hard things happen to them. And so to me, when she passed away, it's just still wrong to be true that things do happen for a reason. And it was one of the most beautiful times in my life so far. And it's, I've learned a lot and I was a hippie sleeping on couches and traveling when I met her. And now we've, impacted over 650 plus people were having such a huge impact we're donating to families directly battling cancer so i wouldn't be here without this experience with her and i know that I, it's not for me it's in serving for her because that's what she wanted when she was six she was documenting the whole thing trying to inspire people trying to help others and she wanted to have her own organization to help support people through that so that's what i'm doing in my way it's the foundation will come over time it just lot of infrastructure to do that but right now on behalf of all the companies i own every month we just donate to families directly that are battling cancer because through organizations they don't get all the funds so i was like here's a thousand dollars to pay for treatments and your food help with your food bills this month because i know you're not working and so yeah everything is on behalf of that because she always wanted to serve and impact others that is beautiful maxime and it's jennifer's living legacy when people come to you and want to work with you and get your help, is it mainly fitness-oriented or are there also a lot of people who are motivated by health, maybe even health conditions such as yeah. Jen was dealing with? Yeah, it's a mixture of both, I'll be honest, because as you get older, you prioritize health more. 
than anything because you see the direct impact that it has on your health to have your knees hurt, have inflammation, not be comfortable in your body. So it's a mixture of both. But I always tell people like we can work on both at the same time for the most part. People that have celiac, Crohn's, PCOS, hypothyroidism that are recovering from cancer, that have had surgeries and are trying to rebuild, like we work with everyone ultimately because we have an amazing team of doctors and nutritionists on our team. And I built the team this way so that we would be able to help people that actually need the help. The only people we don't work with is if they're currently going through cancer, simply because their body's already un- under enough stress and we just, there's no need to add to that. But yeah, for most people, I'd say like it's 50 health, 50 body, but the health people still want to look great. So it's a mixture of both for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, as much as we say, it's, oh, I have this vain goal of wanting to lose 20 pounds. I'm dealing with all this inflammation and I'm Crohn's and I'm like, we can do both. Right? Okay. Yeah. So everyone has that little goal inside that they want. Absolutely. And I really think it's important to whatever goal it is that motivates you. And whether it is, I want to lose 20 pounds because I want to look a certain way in a bikini, or whether it is, I want to reduce my inflammation, go with whatever lights you up because that's what's going to help you through. And what I found great over all these years, and oftentimes people come and ask me, they want to change something, some aspect in their lives. And even if it's something that maybe you may say, okay, that's more of a vanity goal, whether it's skin or hair or certain things. I know that when people follow a certain protocol, make certain lifestyle changes, yes, they will get whatever they had been looking for. And a lot of other things will also shift in their bodies and in their minds Because these kinds of changes, whether they're dietary, whole foods, whole plant-based foods diet, or whether there's certain supplements and gosh, algae, grasses, medicinal mushrooms, tonic herbs, they're not going to only affect that one thing, but they're going to affect a lot of things that are going to make you feel better, function better, and be healthier. So that's the beauty of it. You do a lot of things, Maxim. You're also the host of the Fit Vegan podcast. And I'd like to know from you, are there some key lessons that pop to mind that you've learned from your guests regarding fitness and veganism and nutrition? Yeah, we're like 200 plus episodes in now. We've been at it for a while. Simplicity is the key. I know all the things I say, like when you narrow down some like big lessons to their core, they're always really simple. But once you have the story to back it up, there's more impact behind it. So like we tend to overcomplexify things as humans in terms of wanting to reach your goal, wanting to be healthier, wanting to transition to eating plant-based when actually the steps are pretty straightforward. And we don't necessarily think that like it should be that simple. Like we feel like it should be harder. So we try to add a layer of complexity to it. I was like, no, but I really need to calculate. Imagine having to calculate all your micronutrients per meal to eat. That's just, I just, that's not doable, right? You don't need to do that. <laughs> you just need to eat you know, whole foods, have some protein, have some carbs, have some vegetables. It's like You don't need to go that into the details of it, right? You just need to focus on variety. And honestly, the body will take care of itself. It's pretty smart. If you cut yourself, it'll heal your body, right? If you have cancer, it'll try to fight cancer. Your body's actually like really smart. Smarter than AI. I'll just put it out there for now. <laughs> so your body's really efficient at what it needs to do. So you how are people able to live 70, 80 years on eating shit, food, drinking alcohol and smoking cigarettes, right? Like obviously the body's good at surviving. So imagine if you actually gave it good things, you would live past 70 and actually feel good the whole time, right? So people over complexify things. 
And a lot of the struggles that we have in our life in terms of achieving any form of goal just all comes down to psychology. It's never a strategy issue. The strategies are always very simple. The steps are always very simple. Like I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. I'm a part of like his world and all that. It says all transformation are 80% psychology, 20% strategy. It's never a strategy issue. It's a story issue that we tell ourselves. So that's what I found with our members. It's like creating a workout plan, nutrition plan that's sustainable. Like we're really good at that. It's not hard for us. But getting people to stick to it, that's a psychological thing. That's not a strategy thing because the strategy is already there. So a lot of the people that we've interviewed, either as guests on the show that are experts in their field or people from our members that had success, it's a psychological thing. Because we've all started a business or a project and we don't feel like we're enough. We feel like imposter syndrome. We don't feel like we're worthy of these things. But then for the people that actually persevered and did the work and then expand to be in like, I would say in my position where we own five companies now and we build, I don't come from this world. I don't come from doing these things. I come from being a hippie traveling and hitchhiking around, right? I don't come from this. But it is all these limiting beliefs and story that I had in my head, just like my members, just like my guests. And then they chose that like, no, this is important enough for me to overcome this story. And then it gets to a new level. And there's a new story that shows up, right? One of my mentors always says, with new levels comes new devils. So if it's really important for you, you're going to do what's necessary to overcome that new level to get to a new level. And ultimately, there's going to be a new thing that's going to show up. So it's just about showing up consistently, not over-complexifying the process and understanding that the true thing that is limiting you is nothing external. It's all internal. It's in between your two ears because in reality, the fears that we have are not, they're not real right? Fear, fear is made up. Faith is made up, right? You get to choose which F you follow, fear or faith. You get to choose. They're literally the same thing. They're both Im- imagination. They're both made out of ma- imagination. Mm, excellent point, Maxim. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm curious okay. because you just said you've built five companies now. Can you give us a little rundown on those? Yeah, for sure. So when my when Jennifer passed away, I made it a mission of mine to help 10,000 people get lean, thrive, and disease-proof their bodies on plants by 2033. She was a bit older than me. She was 12 years older than me. So by the time 2033 comes around, I'm going to be her age when she passed away. So to me, I want to impact 10,000 lives by that point, and then a million by 2050. I got my first milestone. So I built my first company, Vegan Coaching, and I was like, I'm going to impact the life of 10,000 people by 2033. We're at 650 plus now, right? Which has done really well over the past like two, three years. But then I was like, I'm limited as to how much impact I can have because I look a certain way and I speak a certain way. And that's not going to resonate with everyone. So I realized that my strengths are actually in building systems and scaling companies. So I was like, if my face and my way of speaking is the limiting factor, let me go get different faces and different ways that people speak. So I found other influencers, other entrepreneurs that are passionate about helping people and coaching people that are more content creators, influencers, and that have a passion for veganism. I'm like, hey, do you want to have a coaching business? Let me build the whole thing for you and I'll run it. And you just create content. You get to coach those people. So I have five companies now that are all in the online vegan fitness coaching space. I'm behind the scenes on four of them. And so if each of these companies impact 100 people, that's an additional 100 several plus people to my 10,000. So I just realized that some people will connect with a bigger vegan bodybuilder because they want to look like him. They won't look at me that way. I'm skinny now, right? Because I did Ironman, I lost all my muscle. So they don't look at me and be like, I want to be like him. Some people do, some people won't. So I have amazing people that have 
and different body types, different visions, different way of talking that we get to impact different people around the world. So we have multiple companies in here. We have some people, uh, some companies in Europe and just continuously expanding. So that's me. That's my game plan to get the 10,000 people ultimately. And we're working on an education-based business as well, which is very exciting. Outstanding. I love that. That's really, really fantastic. And I can tell by our conversation that you're really an eclectic human being. You're very curious. You love to learn. You love to try things and you have great perseverance. There's a question I like to ask every guest and that's about practices. That could be something new that just entered your life and that's really been helping you or it could be something you've been doing for a very long time something that enhances your life mentally physically and or spiritually could you share that with us maxine yeah for sure i'd say two things please cold showers we mm -hmm. hear them all the time but i've been doing them for seven plus years now so just continually practicing daily practicing the habit of doing uncomfortable things i never wanted to take them And every morning that I wake up, never want to do it, but taking those cold showers every day. So basically stepping into something uncomfortable and then willingly staying within something uncomfortable and learning to breathe through it. Mm -hmm. That's when I get into the cold shower and I step into it and then I start to feel comfortable. I'm like, okay, I'm good now. I can step out. But until I don't, if I feel uncomfortable, I'm going to stay until I feel comfortable. I'm like, okay, like I got this now. Like you can't. And I step out. So I do that every day. And then priming, which is something from that I got from Tony Robbins when I got into his world a while back. It's like a power breath. You've probably seen him do like in the videos like this. So power breathing and there's a gratefulness exercise with three things that you're grateful for and actually like feeling it into your body. And there's another one that's more like a meditation after of like just light beaming into your body and activating every cell. And then you end with a visualization exercise of three things that you want to create for your life. That takes me like seven minutes to do in the morning, but it, it feels like I'm putting on my armor for the day. I'm protected. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm going to do. I'm clear on my past and it just gets me ready for the day. So those are the two things that have been really impactful for me. Super. Thank you for sharing. And the, yeah, the cold showers, absolutely. It's this also learning that you can actually deal with something uncomfortable. You can breathe through it and that you take that into your life. It's so much more than just the cold shower. And that in itself is yeah. fantastic, psychologically and physically. Yes, I need to back into that cold showers. <laughs> Maxime, for people who would like to reach out to you, connect with you, learn more about what you're doing, how can they do? Yes, the easiest place would just be fitvegan.ca. If you go on there, there's the link to like Instagram, YouTube, podcasts, and all the gazillion of platform that exists nowadays. But there's a lot of information as to like our mission and what we're up to and the people that we're trying to impact. So that would be the best way that you cannot stay. Super. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I could have talked for another couple hours with you, but I know our time Same is here. Good. Yes. So hopefully we'll reprise the conversation another time. And really grateful to connect with you, to get to know you a little bit. Wonderful to be with you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And honestly, really appreciate your question. You asked some great question. I went to some places that have been shared in a while, but I'm really happy that I did and hopefully connected with the audience. I am sure it, it did. It, I'm sure it will do. And thank you for your openness, for being human. Thank you. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution.